podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. What's good, boys and girls? Welcome to the Two Footed Podcast. Today is Friday, the 3rd of September. We're brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider, a virtual privacy network, allows you to go online, change your location, access things like American Netflix or anything that you might be geo-blocked from, while also keeping your data safe. Check out LibertyShield.com and use the code EPLVPN to get 20% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do remember to check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you can find either through the websites, anfieldindex.com, eplindex.com, or by downloading the Etsy app to your phone and searching EPL Index or Anfield Index. Right, folks. Um... Not a whole lot going on today. It is international week after all. There is some Premier League interest, obviously. There's Premier League players playing in these games. Romelu Lukaku scored two for Belgium as they put five past Estonia. 5-2 to Belgium. Dominant performance. Premier League-wise, former Premier League player Thibaut Courtois. Former Premier League player Toby Alderweireld. Former Premier League player Dedrick Boyata. Former Premier League player Jason Denier, um, all in the Belgian team along with Eden Hazard, obviously, Romelu Lukaku and current Brighton player Leandro Trossard. So heavy Premier League influence on this Belgian team, as there always tends to be. Then Donker came off the bench. Lucky Bacchio, who used to play for Watford, he also came off the bench, as did Christian Benteke. And Albert Sambi, Sambi Laconga. God, I can't say his name. Albert Sambi Laconga of Arsenal. All coming in off the bench. Run-of-the-mill stuff for Belgium. Very, very comfortable. Very, very dominant. Lukaku looks phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. But that's that's the type of team he enjoys playing against. One of those teams he can just go out and physically manhandle and bully. Uh, Germany beat Liechtenstein 2-0. Timo Werner with the first and former City winger Leroy Sané with the second. Again, Premier League interest in this game, obviously. Bernard Leno started in goal for the Germans, which is frankly bizarre. Uh, But Ilkay Gundogan played in midfield. Kai Havertz and Sané were part of the three behind Timo Werner. Jamal Musiala, who could have declared for England, he was the last one. Um, former Arsenal player Serge Gnabry, he came off the bench. Well done again, Arsenal, on your handling of, of Serge Gnabry. But, you know, comfortable for Germany, 2-0 over Liechtenstein and Hansi Flick off to a good start. Um, 
France uh, drew 1-1 with Bosnia and Herzegovina. Antoine Griezmann scored the only goal for France. Edin Dzeko had put Bosnia 1-up. Jules Koundé was sent off. Again, you've got plenty of Premier League interest. Hugo Lloris, Rafa Varane, Luca Digne, Paul Pogba. Anthony Martial coming off the bench. It's bizarre that Martial is in the French squad at the minute, given his lack of form for United last season. And then Italy won, Bulgaria won. Federico Chiesa had put Italy 1-0 up, but Ilyev got the equaliser for Bulgaria. Uh, Emerson Palmieri, Chelsea player currently obviously on loan at Lyon, uh, started this game for the Italians. Very similar lineup to how they set up in the Euros, a Serbi comes in for Cialini. Emerson comes in at left wing back. He obviously played plenty there during the tournament. Florenzi back in at right back um, for Di Lorenzo. Florenzi is the first choice, even though you could argue he's not the better of the two right backs. Uh, disappointment for Spain. Their first defeat in World Cup qualifying in 28 years. 66 games since 1993. They had won 52 and drawn 14. That record is now over. Sweden 2, Spain 1. Carlos Soler had put them one up on four minutes. Alexander Isak on five minutes made it one all. And then Klassen with the winner uh, to make it 2-1. Very, very good result for the Swedes. Uh, Robin Olsen, now of... Sheffield United started as did Emil Kraft of Newcastle and Victor Lindelof of Manchester United. Very, very good performance for them. Very, very good. And it's not like Spain put out a weakened team. Unai Simon is first choice. Aspilicueta, Garcia. Garcia might not be first choice, but you know he's a decent player. Plays for Barcelona now, having left City, obviously. Americ Laporte and Jordi Alba. In the defence, Soler, Busquets and Coke in midfield. Not the strongest Spanish midfield you've ever seen, but one that should function better than it did. Ferran Torres, Alvaro Morata and Gerard Moreno. A little bit unbalanced up front. Uh, Rodri did come on in the game, as did, um, as did Traore. You would have expected Spain to do better. You really would. David De Gea back on the bench. Good for him. Um... All things considered, the international break has been, you know, fairly lifeless, except for England 4, Hungary 0, in an absolute atrocity of an atmosphere. How these Hungarian fans can be allowed to behave like this, after what they did during the Euros and the disgusting behaviour we saw from them then, how it is that Hungary aren't been forced to play games behind closed doors, I really don't know. But it is time for UEFA to take action against these people. Or FIFA, these games are played under FIFA, obviously World Cup qualifying. But it is time for football's governing bodies to take action against these people. They did their very best to spoil every single game they were involved in at the Euros. From booing players taking a knee, showing themselves to be racist, to booing people who displayed the rainbow flag, showing themselves to be homophobic. And then UEFA sniveling little worms that they are, banning Manuel Naur from wearing the rainbow argue, the rainbow armband, banning the German FA from turning 
the Alliance Arena into the rainbow flag. Just shambolic stuff. It is time people took action against them. Now, credit to England. England's players took it in their stride, didn't rise to it, and basically just laughed at them and let them know how pathetic they were. Raheem Sterling scores the first from a Mason Mount assist. Reveals a t-shirt to celebrate the life of his friend who passed away. And gets cups and bottles thrown at him. I like Declan Rice's response of picking the cup up and pretending to drink from it. But just disgraceful. The chance throughout the game at Raheem and then at Jude Bellingham. Just disgusting stuff. Kane, Mount, sorry, Kane, Maguire and Declan Rice would score the other goals. Strong performance from England. I thought Calvin Phillips in midfield once again showing that he is England's best midfield player. Rice is more hyped, but I think Phillips is the better all-round player. I think together they work really, really well. I think they have to be England's pairing moving forward until Jude Bellingham is ready. And he should be the third option there. I think that has to be the pairing. And when Bellingham is ready, I wouldn't be against seeing Southgate go Bellingham, Rice, Phillips as a three in certain games. Now, it does limit you in attack. It means you have to drop out one of the front four. But I still think a front three of Sancho, Sterling and Kane or Sterling, Kane and Mount or Sterling Kane and Grealish or Sterling Kane and Foden is absolutely fine. Sterling and Kane have to start. The other spots are up for grabs or the other spot if you play a midfield three. But I do think it would be worth trying 4-3-3 in certain games just to give England a little bit more tactical flexibility. All things considered, a good night's work for England. Disgraceful night's work by the Hungarian fans. And you have to feel sorry for some of the Hungarian players because you know that, you know, at least some of them don't have the same views and beliefs as these lunatics. They're not hard to spot. They all wear that stupid black shirt. Ban them from stadiums. Tell the Hungarian FA, if we see them at games, you're out. We will banish you if you can't control your fans. But then do those fans represent the majority view? Based on who their president is, it's very possible. Moving on, uh, forgot to mention this yesterday, Cristiano Ronaldo, now the all-time top scorer in international football, scored his 110th and 111th uh, goals for Portugal in their 2-1 win over Ireland the other night. Um, he had a penalty saved. He should have been sent off because he slapped Dara O'Shea. Nothing's been done about that. He's been suspended for the next game for picking up a yellow card for taking his shirt off. but. Ireland should have had at least one penalty and Ronaldo should have been sent off. And the referee played well over the allotted added time. But, you know, it is what it is. He was clearly delighted after the game as well. You can imagine him going up simpering and asking for a, a lend of his shirt or to bring his shirt home. Uh, we're going to leave international football there before I get too annoyed. Right. I realised yesterday that when I did the little ramble on the uh, expansion draft piece of the Athletic. I forgot to go back the next day and and give the team I would take from the Premier League. 
Um, just an oversight. No reason, really. I just completely forgot about it. So what I've done is I have picked my my group. So from Arsenal, I'm going to take Alexander Lacazette. I still think he's a quality player. I know it hasn't always worked at Arsenal, but I also think that's in part because Arsenal have never really figured out how to use him properly. I think he's really good. When he was at Lyon, he was tremendous. He was a focal point in the team. I think you can still get the best out of him. Aston Villa, the only choice here is Douglas Luiz. One of the best holding midfield players in the league. Greg Evans has been foolish enough to leave him unprotected. Somehow deciding that Trezeguet and Anwar Al-Ghazi were worth keeping over him. And Ashley Young. Um, so I am taking Douglas Luiz, Villa's best midfield player. From Brentford, I'm going to take Josh De Silva. Good young box-to-box midfielder. Plenty of ability. A little bit injury prone. But I'm more than happy to take him on. Uh, I think he's a good player. From Brighton, I've gone for the same pick as Tom Warville did. I've gone for Alexis McAllister. Very creative, inventive player. Never really gets the opportunities at Brighton. I think he'll move on at some point and show that he is a top-class player. From Burnley, Ashley Barnes is the only real choice here. You could take Jay Rodriguez. and In fact... I think I will take Jay Rodriguez over Ashley Barnes because Jay Rodriguez gives me a bit more flexibility. He can play in in a wide role as well as through the middle, and I want a 4-3-3. Uh, from Chelsea, I'm taking Christian Pulisic, who I've been a fan of for years. I think he's a quality player. I would have taken Tammy, but I've decided not to take him based on the fact that he's no longer in the league, so he, he just goes. Um, but yeah, I'm going to take Christian Pulisic. Crystal Palace, again, not a whole lot of options. I think Yarrow Riedewald is the play here. Can play holding midfield or at centre-back. Mid-twenties, plenty of energy. I think he's probably coachable. I think you take him and he's a bit of a utility player for you. Cover it both centre-back and um, and at holding midfield from Everton again slim pickings not a great squad there um, would have taken Moise Keane but as with Tammy Abraham he's no longer in the league so he's out uh, I'm going to take Mason Holgate so I think he can play right back really well I'm going to plug him in there from Leeds there's two options Jack Harrison and Robin Cock I'm going to go with Robin Cock because I want him as a, as a third centre back I think he's a quality player. Didn't see his best last season because of some injuries. But once he gets back, I think him and Loriente will be the pairing for Leeds. I think they'll be very good together. Uh, from Leicester City, I think there's two. One is Wes Fafana. The other is James Justin. I love James Justin. Anybody that's listened to this podcast knows I love James Justin. But I am going to go for Wes Fafana because I think his upside is higher. Now, I'm not taking into account the fact these players are injured. I'm looking at the long term. So I'm going to go with Wesley Fofana. I think he's got the potential to be a top five centre-back in the world. From Liverpool, it's an easy choice for me. It's Naby Keita. Henderson's washed. Firmino's washed. Don't want anything to do with either of them. I think Naby Keita is the best pick-up here. You could go Joel Matip. 
And if I hadn't got Fafana, I probably would. But I think Naby Keita is the one here for me. Uh, for Man City, it's very, very easy. It's Americ Laporte. There's no no doubt in my mind Americ Laporte is the guy to go with here. For Manchester United, there's some good options. David De Gea, you could gamble on trying, you know, rehab and get him back to his best. Donny van de Beek would be a great pickup. Ahmed Diallo is a superstar in the making. But I'm going to go Anthony Martial. Yes, he's slightly damaged goods, but we saw in the 2000. 1920 season, just how good he can be. I still back the talent. I think him and Lacazette would combine well, so I'm going to go with him. From Newcastle, again, there's not a whole lot here that you'd like, but I do like Jamal Lewis. I really do like Jamal Lewis, so I'll take him as my left back. Uh, from Norwich, I'm going to go Angus Gunn. Just as a as a backup goalkeeper, largely because there's not a whole lot. I was going to take Billy Gilmore, but I've decided that not to take him because he is on loan there, and that's he's a Chelsea player. He's not a Norwich player. He is a Chelsea player. There's no point in taking him. Uh, from Southampton, Ibrahima Diallo is is the pick for me. There's a couple of other good options, but I think Diallo is probably probably the best pick. Talented midfield player can play as a holding midfielder or go box to box. So I'm I'm happy enough to bring him in there. Um from Tottenham, I went Harry Winks. I'm not a huge Winks fan. I did consider going with Oliver Skip, but I think Winks probably has a little bit more to his game now. I think he fits now with what I want to do. He fits better with the midfield I want to put together. So go with Harry Winks. Uh, again, Watford, not overly keen on many of these. But I'll take Emmanuel Dennis as a, as a backup attacker. Uh, from West Ham, Alphonse Ariola, Easy pick for me. Get my starting goalkeeper. And from Wolverhampton Wanderers, I went with Key Anna Hoiver. Partially because there's not a whole lot of much there. They haven't left many decent players uh, unprotected. But I'll take, I'll take Key Anna Hoiver. What that gives me is Ariola in goal, Holgate at right back, Lewis at left back, Fafana and Laporte as my as my centre backs, and then I've got Hoiver, Yarrow, Riedeveld, and Robin Cock as depth there in those positions. In midfield, I've got Winks, Douglas, Louise, and Naby Keita starting. Josh De Silva, Diallo, and Alexis McAllister. For depth, Alexis can also play in the front three. And then I've got Pulisic on the right, Lacazette through the middle, Martial off the left, uh, Dennis and Rodriguez for depth. I think my team beats his. He went with a something like a 4-2-3-1. He has Ariola, Aurier, Mina, Laporte, Lewis, Dendonker and Henderson in midfield. Now, our attacks are quite similar. He went Pulisic, McAllister, Martial behind Lacazette. If we go position by position, we've got the same goalkeeper. I would much rather Mason Holgate than Serge Aurier right back because Mason Holgate's a much better defender than Aurier. We've got the same left back, the same left centre back. But give me Wes Fafana all day, every day over Yerry Mina. Um, absolutely Douglas Louise over Den Donker. Absolutely. Naby Keita over Alexis McAllister. Henderson and Winks, 
Henderson was better. Now he runs more. But Winks, I think, is a more solid player. Um, Pulisic, we both have. Martial, we both have. And Lacazette, we both have. But I think I have better depth than he does. So I'm taking my team over his. Sorry, Mr. Warbel. Um, right, we're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, uh, I'm going to do my Premier League predictions for the season ahead with the transfer window now closed. Squads are set. We're three games in. So I'm going to do my prediction. See you in a minute. Right. Welcome back. So just to recap on what the Premier League table looks like at the moment. Tottenham first, West Ham second, Man United third, Chelsea fourth, Liverpool fifth, Everton sixth, Manchester City seventh, Brighton eighth, Leicester ninth, Brentford tenth, Villa eleventh, Watford twelfth, Southampton thirteenth, Crystal Palace fourteenth, Leeds fifteenth, Burnley sixteenth, Newcastle seventeenth, Wolves eighteenth, Norwich nineteenth, and Arsenal in twentieth. All three of Wolves, Norwich and Arsenal are yet to register a point. Neither Arsenal nor Wolves have scored a goal. Tottenham are the only team to have taken maximum points through three games. They're the only team not to have conceded a goal. Just to let you know where we stand right now. So, here is my Premier League prediction. I have gone for Chelsea to win the league. I think you look at what they did last summer, bringing in the likes of Mendy, Havertz, Werner, Zajic, Ben Chilwell. What they've done this summer, bringing in Lukaku and Saul. What they did in January, bringing in a world-class manager in Thomas Tuchel. And then what they did in May, winning the Champions League. And I think you put all of that together on top of what was already a good squad, remember. It was already a squad that had won the Europa League and had finished third before Frank got his hands on it. Frank finished fourth and then they started spending money. I looked through their squad and I think, I don't love the goalkeeper situation, but I don't think Mendy's a negative in any way. He's a, he's a little bit flappy at times and he can't really kick off the ground, but he's a great shot stopper. He's pretty great on crosses and his kicking from his hands is quite good. Kepa is better than people make him out to be. He's just not nearly the keeper that they thought they were buying for 72 million. Don't love it, but it's not bad. They've got Reese James at right back. He's quality. He's not as good as people make him out to be, but he is a quality player. They've got Aspie Laquette can play there as well. And Callum Hudson-Odoi can play there as well as a wing-back. Left wing-back, you've got Chilwell, you've got Alonso. I think they're set there. Centre-back, again, I don't love it, but I do love the system. And the system's the reason I'm picking them to win the league. The defensive system is the best in the league. They're phenomenally good defensively. There's just no argument with that. Look at the record under Tuchel. It's incredible. So, especially when you take out that fluke game against West Brom. So, while individually I don't think their defenders, any of their defenders, get in the Liverpool team or the City team or the United team, 
Uh, well, Reese James would get in the United team at right back over Wan Bissaka, but none of the rest. I do think the system makes them good enough. And Rudiger's good. Christensen is good. Aspie's good. Thiago Silva's still good. He's just not what he was. And he's only really acceptable in certain games. Um, if they'd gotten Kunde, I think this is over. But they didn't, so they go with what they have. And I like the emergence of Chalaba. Um, I'm surprised at Tuchel having so much faith in him, but I'm really happy to see. For a long time, he's been a highly touted prospect. And you'll remember last season, I did one of these fantasy things, picking players from different clubs. He was one of the ones I thought would be would be good. So um, I do like him. So they've got numbers there. In midfield, I love what they've done. Jorginho's very good. He's not great, but he's very good. Kante was great, can still be great, but not as frequently as before. Kovacic is hugely underrated. He's really good. And Saul is world-class. And Saul knits this together now for them. He can play with any of the others. Mason Mount can also play in there. If they want to go to a midfield three, Mason Mount can slot in. I think long-term he'll be able to play in a two as well. And then up front, you've got Lukaku, you've got Werner, you've got Pulisic, you've got Zayic, you've got Havertz, you've got Hudson-Odoi, and of course Mason Mount. I just think in terms of depth and options, that's incredible. You can play any combination and it'll work. Like You could play Lukaku with Werner as a two and Havertz behind them, and I think it'd be hellish to defend. You could play Lukaku as the nine with Pulisic and Hudson-Odoi or Pulisic and Werner, and it'd be impossible. We've seen Havertz, Lukaku and, and Mount. Try Havertz, Lukaku and Pulisic. Try Pulisic, Lukaku and Mount. They just have so many options there now that I just think they're going to be really, really hard to stop. So that's why, I, and I also, I think Thomas Tuchel is incredibly good. So I think they're the team to beat. I've got them to win the league. I've got Manchester City second. Reigning league champions. Won three out of the last four. They brought in Jack Grealish for 100 million. Now, I don't think that improves their best 11. He's not as good a number eight as De Bruyne or Gundogan. He's not as good a left winger as Sterling. So I don't think that improves them. But if they go Sterling on the right, Jesus through the middle or Foden through the middle, and Grealish off the left, then that could be very, very good. So, all things considered, I think City are second. I've got Liverpool third. Not enough depth, too many questions. Can Andy Robertson find his best form? Because he's looked quite poor through the second half of last season. Can Virgil van Dijk get back to being what he was pre-injury? Surgically repaired knee is a big concern. Can Joel Matip and Joe Gomez stay fit? Because if they both get injured and Liverpool are left with just Van Dijk and Kanate, they are only one injury away from either having to pull Fabinho out of midfield or use Nat Phillips. Will Jordan Henderson continue to regress and be as injury prone as he has been the last 12 months? There's the question. How do they fill the Ginny Wijnaldum void? 
is Sadio Mane's form just a dip or the beginning of a sharp decline? Can Bobby Firmino contribute on a regular basis? There are too many questions about this Liverpool team. What do Liverpool do if they suffer one injury up front and then Mane and Salah go to the AFCON? Who plays when Mane and Salah go to the AFCON? Jota, Firmino and who? How much are they going to rely on an 18-year-old attacker who's been forced into playing in midfield in Harvey Elliott? I think Liverpool have too many questions this year. I don't have the same questions about City or Chelsea. Liverpool can win the league. I think any of these three teams can win the league. But I think right now, I think Liverpool finished third. Uh, I've got Manchester United in fourth. I think there's a bit of a gap between the three and the next three. But I think United are the best of the next three. And again, there's question marks. Will they get enough going forward from Wan-Bissaka? How quickly will Sancho ad adapt to the league? How will Varane cope with the physical side of things? What will Oli do in midfield? How consistent will Paul Pogba be? What's the front four going to look like? And will Cristiano be a net negative or a net positive? We know he'll score goals. But will he just score goals that others would have scored anyway? Or will he add new goals to this team? Is he going to take goals off the likes of Bruno, Rashford and uh, Greenwood? And Martial? And Cavani? Or is he going to add goals on top of that? I think it'll be the former. I think he'll have a negative effect. But I still think they'll be good enough to get fourth. They have by far the worst manager of the, the top four as well. And I would argue they have, I, I still believe he's one of the worst managers in the league. So the, the Ollie thing will hold them back regardless. Um, in fifth, I've got Spurs. I like what they did this summer. I think they got younger in key positions, centre back, right back. They improved in those same positions. Romero is better than Alderweireld. Emerson is better than Aurier. They kept hold of Harry Kane. They tied Youngman's son down long term. Deli Ali looks like he's re-emerging. I'm excited to see what Brian Hill can bring to the Premier League. I still think they're short at centre-back. And I still think they need a backup to Kane. And that's why I have them fifth rather than fourth. Because I think man for man, they match up pretty well with United otherwise. I would rather have Emerson than Wan-Bissaka. I'm not overly keen on any of the goalkeepers. Um, Romero's the best centre-back between the two clubs. Varane and Romero would be the pairing. Sean Regulon is closer than people think. Shaw's obviously better defensively, but Regulon's a lot better going forward. Heusberg and any other Spurs midfielder is better than McTominay and Fred. You'd obviously take Bruno over Delhi, though if Delhi can get back to 2017 level Delhi, it's a lot closer than people think. Son is better than any left-sided option that United have, including Sancho. United have probably got better options on the right, but 
Spurs aren't bad there. Bergvine, Hill and Mora are all good players. And then Kane is better than whether it's Martial, Ronaldo, Greenwood or Cavani. Kane is better than them. So I would take the Spurs 11 over the United 11. I think Spurs have quite good depth as well in most areas except behind Kane. They've got good depth centre-backs. They're just lacking that starting centre-back. Like United are lacking that midfield. But the, the backup behind Kane concerns me. And Nuno's, I think, a better manager than Oli. But I just think Spurs will fall slightly short and finish fifth. Uh, I've got Leicester in sixth, like what they've done this summer. But I do think they've slightly missed their window to get a top four spot. Uh, West Ham, I know it's a, a drop back from last season. They finished sixth. But you've got to factor in they're in the Europa League, and that's going to take a bit of a toll. I really like what they did this summer backing Moyes. But I, I think, being fair, seventh is a fair spot for them. Aston Villa, I've got in eighth. It's a jump from last season, obviously, where they finished 11th. And people will say, oh, but they sold Grealish. But I think they got better. Ings will score more goals than Grealish. Buendia will create just as much as Grealish and maybe get even more goals than Grealish. And then Leon Bailey offers more pace and a lot more on top in terms of goals and creativity that wasn't there previously. He's an upgrade on, say, a Trezeguet. So I think they have gotten better. Um, I still worry about Mings, but I think eighth is a fair a fair target for them. Uh, I've got Arsenal in ninth. I know they're bottom. I know they haven't won. They haven't scored. They haven't got a point. But I think they will right the ship. There's a lot of good players there. There's also, obviously, the possibility that they'll change managers. Now, if they get Conte, all bets are off. They could get as high as sixth. I don't think they'll get any further than that with this squad, but they could get six. And and the squad isn't bad for what Conte would want. Consider Leno and Goal, Tamiyasu, White, and Gabriel as a three. Maitland Niles is a right wing back. Tierney is a left wing back. Partey and Lakonga as a midfield two. Smith Rowe, Saka, and Aubameyang in attack. That's not bad. That's top six. The problem is the manager's not. The goalkeeper's not either, but, you know, you, you get by. Um, I've got Everton in 10th. They finished 10th last season. I think it's important that they held on to Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison. I think Godfrey will take a step forward. I think if Alan can stay fit, and that's key for them because he's excellent. He's an excellent midfield player. If he stays fit, I think they'll be hard to beat in midfield every week. Like I say, with Godfrey taking a step forward, Dina still there. They've got decent defenders. I do worry about the goalkeeper, um, but they've got a really good manager in Rafa Benitez. And I know they had a really good manager in Carlo last year, but Rafa is better than Carlo at grinding out results. Rafa's better at turning nothing into something. Carlo's strength was always turning a, a very good team into a great team. Rafa's strength previously had been similar, but when you look at what he did at Newcastle, he took a bad team and he turned them into a pretty decent team. 
And I think we never saw Carlo do that. We've seen Rafa work with very little and get results. Carlo struggled in that regard. And that's why I think Rafa can at least maintain that number 10, that, that 10 spot. You'd like to see next summer, maybe they back him and they go again in the market and try and step forward. But for now, I think 10th is a, a fair aim. I've got Leeds in 11th. I know they got ninth last season, but the second season is always harder in the Premier League. Decent business this summer. Firpo's a good addition, keeping Harrison permanently. And even though they overpaid for him, I do like Dan James. I think we might see Harrison play in centre midfield a bit more. When they play that 4-1-4-1, you might see Phillips, Rafinha on the right, um, the Polish lad, Mateusz Glick, and Harrison as the two, and then James on the left wing. That wouldn't surprise me at all. You might also see Dan James start at right back, just maybe just once to see how it goes. Uh, but I think 11th would be a very respectable second season for Leeds, solidifying themselves in the division. In 12th, somewhat surprised me to myself, I've got Newcastle. Steve Bruce isn't a great manager, but he's not a dreadful one either. He's just a very negative manager. And when you look at what they've got, going forward, Wilson to Maximum, Almiron and Willock is, is pretty good. In midfield, they've got Longstaff, they've got Shelby, they've got Hayden. That's pretty good. They've got a really good goalkeeping situation. Dubravka makes the odd error, but he is a good goalkeeper. Woodman's very promising. Darlow was very good last year. It's a good situation. Where I have doubt is centre-back, because the centre-backs just don't seem to stay fit. But I do like Lachelle's. I worry he slowed a little bit from the injuries and just the, the overall Newcastle-ness of it all. But I do like him. I, I think Newcastle are going to be going to be decent this year. Not good, not top half, not competing for Europe, anything like that. But I do think they can get 12th. Um, in large part because I worry about the teams below them more than I trust in Newcastle. But like I say, Bruce is a decent manager and it is a decent group of players. Um, 13th, I've got Brighton. Brighton would be maybe 10th if they'd addressed their need for a goal scorer this summer. I really like the addition of Cucurella. I really like Mwepu, but they didn't replace Ben White. Now, if they're going to use Duffy, that's okay, but that back three of Dunk, Duffy, and Webster is hella slow. So I'd worry about that. And I just don't think they have someone who's... They don't have someone who's going to get them 15 to 18 goals in the league. They don't have someone clinical up front. And that's a concern to me. So I, I've got Brighton in 13th. I've got Burnley 14th. Um, it, they've done a, they've done well this summer. Cornette is good. Uh, Roberts is good. They, those two will start, I believe. Um, Collins is a very good young centre-back. They've brought in um, Hennessy. They've brought in Lennon for some, you know, experienced veterans. They've got everybody back. Surprisingly, they kept Tarkovsky. Surprisingly, nobody was in for McNeil. I think they'll be a solid team. 14th, I think, is about fair. In 15th, I've got Wolves. Now, I don't like what they have at centre-back. I really don't like the goalkeeper. But I do like their full-backs. 
I do like the midfielders, and I really like what they've got in attack. It's all a matter of Raul Jimenez. If Raul Jimenez is even 80% of what he was pre-injury, they'll be fine. If he's not, then they might be multiple places below where I have them. In 16th, I've got Wolves. Sorry, no, uh, 15th, I've got Wolves. 16th, I've got Norwich. This might be a bit of a surprise, but I really like what they did this summer. I think they addressed pretty much every need they had. I thought Weber, Stuart Weber, that is, used his budget very, very well. I think they've replaced Emi Buendia very well. Not directly, but in terms of bringing in aspects of what he did and then looking to the likes of Todd Cantwell to step up and fill a void. So I like what Norwich did. I think Ozan Kabak would be a big boost for them at the back. I think they could be okay this year. I've got Crystal Palace in 17th. My my big doubt over them is the manager. I don't know what to expect from Vieira. That's where I struggle. But I think they've got enough talent to stay in the division. If Ezzy gets back around Christmas time, they should be fine. Uh, I've got Brentford 18th. Just not quite done enough this summer for me. And I don't think their squad last year stood out a mile in the championship as being too good for the championship. Certain players did. And Ayer and Onyeka, they're good additions this summer. But they're going to need Ivan Tony to score a ton of goals. And I think he is capable. But they're also going to need to be really solid defensively. And that's where I just have some question marks. They're a little bit slow at the back for me. Janssen's not quick at all. Ayer's not that quick. Pinnock is is decent enough pace, but again, I worry just worry about that. So teams attacking them down their right side. Canos is not a wing back, he's a winger. And he struggles defensively. And if he has to get dragged into things, then Ayer has to go and support him. That leaves big, big gaps between Ayer and Janssen. And that's where teams will, will exploit them. I've got Southampton in 19th. Um, I love Ralph, but I just think they've left him short. He's one short up front. He's one short in centre midfield. A couple of injuries. And they are in serious trouble. Serious trouble if they get it. If, if Adam Armstrong and James Ward-Prowse, for example, got injured, they would be in major bother. Because they'd only then have two centre midfielders and they'd have no actual goal scorers. So I, I do think they, they've left themselves too much to do. I, I think Saints are in for a long, long season. And bottom, I've got Watford. And look, part of this is I just don't really understand what I'm looking at. I, I look at the squad and I just think there's there's nobody here. Like, there's lots and lots of bodies, but I I can't piece together a Premier League calibre 11 out of what they have. I think they've maybe got six Premier League calibre players, and that's about it. They're going to be reliant on an awful lot of hard work, grit, fight, Narrow, and that's fine. And maybe they pull it off. I, I would be delighted if they did. I don't want anyone to go down. I quite like this group of teams this year. But three have to go down. Unfortunately for Watford, I think they've got the weakest team in the league. And I also worry about that club in terms of the lack of stability and the lack of planning. Like if Cisco has three bad results in a row, regardless of getting promoted last year, he'll be out the door. And they'll find some other random to come in. 
you know? I just, I don't think Watford are set up to have any kind of sustained continuity, sustained success. You know, like, there's no calmness around the club. Look what they did this summer. They brought in about 14 players, about 30 left, including all the loanies. I just, it's just manic. It's far too manic for me. Um, so that's what I've got uh, in terms of my Premier League prediction. I've got Chelsea, City, Liverpool, United, Spurs, Leicester, West Ham, Aston Villa, Arsenal, Everton, Leeds, Newcastle, Brighton, Burnley, Wolves, Norwich, Crystal Palace, Brentford, Southampton, and Watford. And I feel horrible having all three of those in the bottom three because I really like all three of those clubs. I've always had a soft spot for Watford. I think it's a John Barnes thing. I've always had an affinity for Southampton. Lovely place, great club, tremendous academy, lovely people. Um, but it just is what it is. And then Brentford, they're just a club that's to be admired, to be held up for how they operate. And, I, you know, it is what it is. I had to pick three to go down there, the three I picked. Um, manager of the year, I think it'll be Thomas Tuchel if Chelsea win the league because there's no real nuance anymore. Last year, Moyes should have won the manager of the year by a country mile and didn't. But I think Tuchel will win it this year. Uh, player of the year, I went boring and picked De Bruyne because I think he's the best player in the league. Um, and I don't think Salah can win it if Liverpool finish third. So I've gone for De Bruyne. Uh, golden boot, I think Lukaku. I think he'll flat track bully his way to the golden boot. Young player of the year. Um, again, I'm ba banking on Chelsea winning the league. I'm, I think Mason Mount. Uh, I don't think he should be eligible for it at 22, but he is. So therefore, I think he will win it. Uh, I'm going to wrap up quickly with the gossip. France defender Jules Koundé is furious with Sevilla for not selling him to the Express. Furious. For not selling him to Chelsea, sorry. Not selling him to the Express. For not selling him to Chelsea. Uh, yeah, maybe he is, but he can't really be. He signed a contract with a buyout clause. It is what it is. Uh, Serge Aurier would be open to a move to Arsenal after terminating his contract at Tottenham on deadline day. I've also heard a couple of other clubs are interested in him. So it'd be interesting to see. I think he might end up staying in the Premier League. Uh, Real Madrid are ready to move for Erling Haaland and Kylian Mbappe next summer. I've been telling you that for months. Um, Chelsea's pursuit of Haaland has suffered a setback after they were told they would have to pay 825,000 a week for his wages. Number one, that's nonsense. Number two, their, their pursuit of Haaland ended when they signed Romelu Lukaku. That's how that works. England midfielder Declan Rice has insisted on a release clause into a new contract, on adding a release clause into a new contract to West Ham as he sets his sights in a move next year. Well, then there's no reason to West, for West Ham to sign that contract. That's 90 minutes making things up. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer blocked five players from leaving Old Trafford this summer. Um, I'm going to read this very quickly and see. I'm going to guess Martial, Van de Beek, uh, Cavani, Delos, and Alex Tellez. Let's have a look. Um, blah, blah, blah. Oh, Jesse Lingard's probably one, actually. Delot is one. Van de Beek is one. 
Cavani and Martial. Oh, Anthony Alanga is the other one. Okay, that's weird. Why not just loan him out? He's not going to play. Um, Everton have, have Everton made an inquiry about Kyle Walker-Peters in the final days of the transfer window. He would have been a good fit. He would have been a good fit. Uh, Juventus turned down the chance to sign Edinson Cavani from Manchester United shortly after Cristiano Ronaldo moved to the way. Well, Cristiano moved on the final day of the transfer window. So that's nonsense. And that's from the mirror. The same people that said Oli blocked five players from leading, leaving, including Cavani. Here's a tremendous one for you. Barcelona's Bosnian playmaker Miralem Pjanic has gone on loan to Besiktas. Barca are going to pay most of his wages. Besiktas are going to pay around 50 grand a week. He's on 250 grand a week. So Barca are paying him 10 million a year to play for somebody else. Uh, Wolves are planning to revisit Adama Traore's contract situation after rejecting two summer bids for the 25-year-old. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Cristiano, Manchester United are struggling to keep up with demand for Cristiano Ronaldo shirts after delays from manufacturers Adidas. Well, here's why this isn't true. Because the number seven was only announced yesterday. So it's not true. It just isn't true. And by the way, the FA allowing Cavani to change shirts at this date, unprecedented. But, you know, things happen. Uh, Mariano Diaz's agent has said something strange happened to prevent 28-year-old from joining Valencia from Real Madrid. Uh, maybe Valencia realised you weren't very good. Uh, right, that'll do for today. Thanks a million for listening. I'll see you Monday. Enjoy your weekends. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.